The church is not a building. The church is not a steeple. The church is not a resting place. The church is the people. Welcome to Christ in the Chaos, where a pastor's kid and a kid's pastor share their messy attempt at raising a Christ-centered family. We may not know what we're doing, but we are right in the thick of it. And this is how we're finding Christ in the Chaos. Welcome to Christ in the Chaos. I am Kathleen here with my husband, Joel. And today we are continuing our Faith Basics series talking about... Faith Basics. The church. Oh, I meant more generally. (laughs) Actually, I think I meant more specifically. But regardless, let's start with our family check-in. Hey, it's our weekly family check-in. Hey. It's a reminder to check in with your family. Weekly. So check in with... The people who are important to you, make sure they're doing okay. How are you doing? I am doing well. Um, We are getting ready to start our week. Um, I had a very, very long day. I had a um, really bad night of sleep last night. And then I had to wake up a little earlier than usual. Um, I went to our earliest service and we did testimonies on healing today. So I gave my testimony, which was like, a very like big emotional dump at the beginning of a day of ministry. <laughs> I did that. And then I, then I did my normal ministry stuff. And so I like left the church after a bad night of sleep. And after that, like very like busy day and I was just done. Like we were having lunch with friends and I just like looked up at Joel and was like, I'm, I'm just done. I, I got to go home and go to sleep. Yeah. Um, so, but, but it was a good day. It was productive. I think you can hear in my voice though. I like, I overdid it a little bit. We probably should have recorded earlier in the day. <laughs> it's We got the kids to, to bed early. Um, but the rest of the week has been good. I have been being productive. I have been being keeping up. We had our oldest home for President's Day week all week. He's we, back in school. We now. got through it. Um, and so uh, tomorrow I get to take him back to school and say bye-bye for a few hours in the morning. And that'll help <laughs> quite a bit. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm my legs are itchy. I feel like every mosquito on the planet lives in Sacramento right now. Yes. And the super mosquitoes too, not just like regular the ones. the worst. I cannot sit still for 10 seconds because these stupid mosquito bites all over my ankles. He has like this like little like anti-itch cream that he just like, it looks like he's putting chapstick on his ankles all the time. Just, I it's guess it's the place where my pants and my socks yeah. don't cover. Just, yes. Other than that, though, I'm doing okay. And, you know, I'm also tired, but I can't complain because I, I didn't work today. Not to call you out, but one of your eyes is open significantly more than the other eye, which I feel like is Wow, a, no one would have known unless you said. Well, you just look tired. Thanks. I mean, you look handsome, but tired. <laughs> so today's topic is all about the church. Um, and I think we've kind of tiptoed around in different ways what the point of the church is and what the church is. But today we're going to kind of do a deep dive into the things that the church should be doing. And I mean, the first thing is that like, this was not ever something that we were meant to do alone. I think that there are people out there who are like, well, yeah, I know Jesus. I've got my Bible. Um, I pray to him and that's what I've got. And, and, and it's good. I don't need to rely on a church or the, you know, or what do they call it? Or organized religion. Yeah, you do. <laughs> if you're reading the Bible, you, you need to be a part of a church. That's part of the plan yeah. that Jesus had for us. There is a group dynamic and a group familiness and a group. There's just 
You got to be part of a group. Doing it on your own doesn't work. And that brings us to our first point today, which is that the church is not a place. If you like Google this and ask for a definition of church, the definition will be a building used for public Christian worship, which is which is a secular definition of church. Yeah. It's one of those things where we like also call the building a church. But I've actually even noticed as I've gone to different churches that people are pretty careful not to call any of the buildings the church. And I'm actually very careful now to we refer to ours, even though it says worship center on the outside, I call it the sanctuary. But because I'm talking about a building that is part of our church, not the church itself. We all have that mental image of like a country church when you say the word church. Mm -hmm. Um, But the church is not the building. The church is the people who come together to follow Jesus. Yeah. Marvel did a whole movie about this. The third Thor movie. No, no, you're not coming with me on this. No, right. I don't know. Isn't that? Yeah. Asgard isn't a place. It's a people. Got it. Well, and the way I'm going to like make this point to the kids is like if our whole campus burned down um, and could like and turn, let's say sinkhole, that might be better, (laughs) though they don't know what a sinkhole is. But all of the buildings went away and we could never rebuild on the spot where our physical church is. That would not stop us from being not just part of the bigger church. It would not stop us from being our church. The church is the the group of people that come together. It is not the physical place. Like the who's in Whoville. We'd all just gather around the giant sinkhole, hold hands and sing. I mean, we probably wouldn't hold hands. We are Lutheran. Besides the fact that the church is not the building, the church is the people, there's kind of like the way you talk about the church that you worship with, the church that you identify with, the church that you attend. But then there's like the bigger idea of the church in general. The church is all Christians who come together to follow Jesus and do the work of God together. That is, We call ourselves Christians, but it would also be correct to call ourselves the church. Um, and that church would include all of the church is. That's why it says in the uh, the Apostles' Creed, I believe in, in the, whole, the church. Yes. I don't, I think we say Holy Catholic Church. And and that is, is it Little C Catholic? or That's Little, little C, C Catholic. Um, meaning. Universal. The universal, the church of all of us together. Some people say holy. Some people say Christian. It's not really that important which word you use in the Apostles' Creed is, as long as you understand that we are all in it together and we are all doing it together. There are. 7.6 billion people in the world. I know because I ask Alexa on a like ongoing basis. According to Alexa also, <laughs> you know that source, Alexa. There are 2.18 billion Christians in the world. So when we talk about the church, we are not talking about a small group of people. We are talking about more than a fourth and less than a third of the population of the world. The first thing that is important to internalize about the church is that we are not talking about your church or a building or even a small group of people that come together, um, that is not what the church is. The church is, it's a much bigger picture, and Jesus saw it as a much bigger picture. Or whatever specific group of people you're imagining right now as those Christians, it's not them. Well, It's not even us. It's all of us. Well, and the other thing, too, is we talk about the the body of Christ Mm -hmm. um, and how, you know, some people are the hands and some people are the feet and whatever. And I think a lot of us picture our own church and the role that individuals at our church play in in doing the will of God and being a part of that mission. But then we can even see churches that are, are filling certain roles. Like mm-hmm. some are more missional and some serve older congregations and some are 
super evangelistic and and whatever it is, we're, we all have a role to play. And it's if you look at another church and you're like, well, that church is not as good at this as we are. It's like, well, that's how the body of Christ works. Um, not every church has to have the same emphasis on the exact same things. The second big point is that the church is a place of doing, not a place where you go. And that kind of goes along with it. It's not a physical place. It's a group of people. But a church does not exist except for what the people of the church are actually doing. It is interesting that Christian monks have a tradition of work. They pray for part of the day. And then that's why there's so many monasteries that they sell chocolate. They sell vegetables, they sell beer, they have breweries. So I just read a book where they sold nets that they made. Yeah, they they have to do, it's not like, oh, they do it because they're bored. It's part of the rules is no, we as the body of Christ do work. We do things. That's interesting too that you're saying that I'm thinking about like Paul um, going around and, and bringing the message of Jesus Christ in the world like nobody else did before or since besides Jesus. And... <laughs> And all along the way was at work to support himself and his ministry. But the point is, the church is busy and active. They are not just in existence. That being said, the one thing that I think people tend to think of when they think of what a church does or what church is about is they think of worship. But even this is something that when done correctly is is done as a church body, as an activity and not something that is consumed by the church body. When we worship, what we really mean is that we are declaring what God is together. That's what you do when you come into worship. You come in together and you declare what God is. Mm -hmm. And you do it through singing and music. You do it through prayer. You do it through talking in terms of like, you do like liturgies or whatever back and forth or the Apostles Creed or the Nicene Creed or whatever. Um, You read the word of God or the, or the pastor does it in an actual message But when you look at what is actually being done in worship, it's the declaration of what God is and what God has done in a community setting. And that is active. That is not something that comes at you. It's not a concert. Yeah. There is a strain of person who likes to complain about more modern worship as, oh, it's it's just a rock concert. Well... It shouldn't be. Even if there's a band on stage and there's lights and they're doing a big production, a concert you go and you watch, you attend, you you listen to the music, sometimes you sing along. Worship should be participatory. You should be worshiping. And if you are, it doesn't matter what it looks like. And And like there are times in your life, there may be years of your life where you come in and sit in the room in silence and hear others declare what God is and you are not participating because you are traumatized or hurt or in need of something that you that you are still waiting for. And that doesn't mean you're not participating in worship. What it means is that by coming to be in community where people are declaring what God is, you are participating in worship. The mm-hmm. whole point, though, is that it is something that you are coming to with a posture of I am going to go do something, not I am going to go receive something. The next, I think, this it's so funny. These are in order, I think, of how I consider 
the church. This is like order of Kathleen's importance, but don't take that as anything because I'm literally sitting here with a little bit of conviction in my own uh, mind. Oh, look what order you put these in. The ones that are important to you. And the second one is discipleship. I'm not going to lie. I worked for a church for like maybe four years before I had a good wrap around my mind of what discipleship was. And I kept asking and no one could give me a good answer. And finally, my time as an athlete is what gave me an answer. It's like, oh, it's the training. Um, it's the discipline. It's the things that you do um, on, on your end to give God a, a bigger foothold in your life. It's studying the Bible. It's prayer. It's being a part of a small group that is studying together and hearing from your peers. It's listening to the sermons. It's learning more about God and your coach is the Holy Spirit, right? The, co- the the Holy Spirit is guiding you into what the next step is and what the next stage is. But discipleship is just the training that you do mm-hmm. in the church. In, in our kids ministry, we would call it the keep Jesus close. Um, what you do to build that relationship. There is a aspect of just sometimes relationships are not about quality time. They're about quantity time. And as you're building a relationship with the members of the church, with God, spending time is important, even if you don't feel like maybe, you know, oh, it's not, that wasn't the best worship service. I didn't get the most out of it, but I didn't learn anything. You got to keep showing up to keep showing up. Otherwise you stop showing up and you lose that connection. You lose that relationship. Which, which again, reinforces the idea of discipleship as like the sports analogy that like, even if you don't feel like coming to practice, you come to practice because that's part of the discipline and you'll have a breakthrough when, when the Holy Spirit does the work, you've done the work by showing up and making the effort and, and seeking God. It's the like exercise of seeking God and training and, and, and wanting more. Um, and maybe this is just the athlete in me that that is the, the analogy that, um, that I found helpful to understanding what discipleship is. The third thing that the church does is fellowship. If you look to John 13, 34 through 35, this is Jesus talking, FYI. In the, old, in the Bible study I just listened to, they'd be like, this is the red letter part. Okay, that means that Jesus is talking. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And I, I, we, this is like a hallmark, hallmark, not like, not like the card. This is a hallmark of, of Christian thought, but I think we, what's the word? Diminish it by being like, we are supposed to love others. Um, When, if you look at it specifically, he's talking to the people that follow him, his disciples and saying, people will know who you are. By the way you treat each other, you will be a beacon of light to the world because they will see the way you treat each other and they will know that you belong to me. And that is, that is something that I want to be a part of. I want mm-hmm. people to look at me and my community and see that the way we treat each other is so radically loving that you can't help but notice and know where it comes yeah. from. You walk in the doors and you're, you're loved. I also think people tend to cite this verse. This is one of my favorite verses, but I think people cite it wrong because they'll say, oh, Jesus said, love one another. No, Jesus didn't said, love one another. 
the Lord your God, creator of heaven and earth, who brought you out of the house of bondage out of the land of Egypt, gave you a commandment to love each other as he loved you. Get on your, pick up your cross. Not to, I, I think and pick follow up, me. Pick up your cross makes it sound like you have like a hard job to do. That's that's not enough. You got you, you to gotta die on your cross yeah. for each other. That is what it is saying. When he says love others like I have loved you, he means that you should be willing to die for his disciples. Yes. Even the ones that annoy. Even the ones you disagree with. <laughs> even the ones you don't like. Even the ones who are doing it wrong or have bad theology. Anyone who walks in that door, you are commanded by God. Mm, anyone who walks in that door. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> well, that might be, I don't know. If they Because are... we're talking about like, we're talking about co-disciples and you might, I don't know. Sorry, maybe I, I should. No, interrupt. you can't narrow it that much though. You can't say, well... You know, we're talking about co-disciples. Are they and real so, Jesus yeah, followers? Are you yeah. a real Christian? No, no, no. If somebody comes in and says, I believe in God the Father, I believe in Jesus Christ, I believe in the Holy Spirit, God has commanded you to not love them as you love yourself, to treat them better than you love, to get to, on your cross and die. Um, what does this look like? It looks like shared joy. It looks like shared hardship. Yeah, it's not always hard. It's not always dying. Sometimes it's, <laughs> Sometimes it's, that, that's it's very fun. important. Sometimes it's like, yay, we're here together. And it's fun. In fact, when people think of fellowship, they think of like fun times with church. Uh, but fellowship is more. It's, it's the sharing of support for each other and providing for one another. When you know you're part of a church is when you are part of this community that will not let each other down. I don't think that the church succeeds particularly well at this commandment, but FYI, that's what we're striving for. We are striving at, at being so loving towards one another, so supportive of one another, so connected to one another that people cannot help but notice that we are different. Yeah. And then when they notice that we are different, we are supposed to point to Jesus. And, and of course we're bad at it. We're people. I mean, if, the, if this podcast has a theme, it's build systems and don't rely on yourself. But if we have a second theme, it's <laughs> People are trying and they're just failing, not because they're bad, but just because they're people. So the fourth thing that the church does is service, which kind of sounds like we're bringing like French fries to people at a table. Could be bringing French fries to people, feeding it, people yes, with service. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Taking care of the earth, taking care of the poor, comforting the sad, feeding the hungry, going out into the world, providing sources of clean water and shelter, basically doing whatever can be done to serve others. Um, that is what we are called to do. If you look at the kind of why on that, the one that I always fall back on is Matthew 25, 40. Uh, oh, no, 25, 34 through 40. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty. You gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the light righteous will answer him. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me. So basically, we're looking for people who are struggling 
we do what we can for them. And when we do that, it's a direct gift to God. This verse has always been very convicting for me because right before that, it's when it's talking about the righteous and the unrighteous and Christ separating them, it says, you know, Christ will come and separate the sheep from the goats, the sheep being good, the goats being bad, and the righteous are the sheep. But it says he'll separate them, meaning we're already sheep or goats. We we make that decision. Christ isn't deciding who's a sheep and a goat. He's separating them. And so we're right now going out into the world, choosing to be a sheep or a goat every day. And I like to think that the church chooses to be a sheep when it can, to, to clothe and feed the hungry. It is something where churches often get accused of being just fundraising organizations. Like all we do is all they want is my money. I go to church and all they want is my money. Well, yeah, all, all we want is your money. Because we have lots of stuff we need to do, and there's lots of hungry people, and there's lots of people who need to hear the word, and there's lots of wells that need dug. And that's for most churches, and there obviously are unfortunately exceptions, but for most churches, that's where the money goes. Most churches have a significant amount of their budget that goes to directly doing those things. And the other thing is, because sometimes I think of like, is the investment we make in our people worth it considering what we could do out in the world? And the reality is that like when I, when the kids come to kids ministry, you know, they have to pay me and they have to pay for the the cost of our ministry, which is not actually particularly high, but on a weekly basis, we get like 35 kids in there that are learning, serve with heart, keep Jesus close, share the gospel, treat people well. And, and I, when I think about how I'm spending my life and what I'm, what I'm doing and whether I'm serving God or whether we're just at a church out for ourselves and serving our own people, I think, no, we're reinforcing this message mm-hmm. with these people every week and sending them out into the world to be the kind of people that they're going to be. And that is an investment that is worth making. The fifth thing a church does is evangelism, which... Evangelical has kind of gotten its own word. Um, We think of evangelical as a certain type of church in this, especially in in American culture, that really doesn't have anything to do with the underlying meaning of evangelical. Go and tell people the good news. We talked about how the fellowship is based on that love one another scripture and the service was based on that least of these scripture. But this and the love one another was like, command and he was very clear it was a command but i always refer to the scripture matthew 28 18 through 20 as with the kids i call it our special job from jesus um so this is a special job that jesus gave to the church to go do starting at verse 18 and jesus came and said to them all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold, I am with you always to the end of age. Yeah. It, it evangel evangelism has the word angel in it. Think about the angels in the Bible. They came to the shepherds to tell them what was going on. They came to Mary to tell her what was happening. They came to Joseph to say, stay with Mary, right? They, they were at the tomb to say he is risen. Go and you tell the story. You tell people, you go out and you spread the word evangel eyes. I'm not good at this. You're great at this. I'm not good at this on a 
I mean, this is our best thing. This, okay, let's get real. The whole reason we're doing this podcast is because I will not do this face-to-face with anyone ever. I've seen you do it face-to-face with strangers. That's not true. When? When? Name one. Oh, I don't know. You are good at it, though. But I, it's funny because it's the timing of everything is so weird. I gave my testimony today at church um, as part of, of our healing ministry sermon series ending. Um, I realized that it was almost the exact one-year anniversary of when, I, uh, re- when we recorded it last, um, when we recorded it for this podcast. And it was also like one day after we hit 100 listens on um, the testimony in this podcast. And all of that happened like on the same like two or three days. Yeah. If you haven't heard that episode, go back. It's our best one. Everyone loves a good conversion story. It's just, it is a hard thing emotionally and it's just awkward. It's awkward. to ha- I have lots of opportunities to tell people because of my position at the church, but for most of us, it really requires like really careful listening for the moment to tell people about Jesus. I think when we talk about evangelism, we always talk about about looking for the right words to say. But I would say that, that God will do that. That is not the issue. God will speak through you. The, the important thing that we need to do is really listen for the opening. Um, the opening is what matters because if we try to make it uh, about something that we are doing for that person telling them about Jesus, we are making it sort of about us. and we want Jesus to help them. And there will be those moments in their life where all of a sudden you'll realize like, this is the moment I am called to testify about what Jesus has done in my life. And this is the moment that I can tell this person what Jesus could do in their life. Evangelism is just an exercise in listening instead of an exercise in talking. So that is what the church is called to do. Worship, discipleship, fellowship, service, and evangelism. There may be other things that churches do. There are other things that churches do, but that kind of goes into that body of Christ thing where we all are called to do different things. But these are the five things that in some degree, every church is doing and should be doing based on scripture. If you need help remembering these, I'm teaching the kids by by teaching them the mnemonic, we don't fight silly elephants, worship, discipleship, fellowship, service, and evangelism. Um, so, so we don't fight silly elephants. We don't fight silly elephants. And now you cannot fight silly <laughs> elephants too. Now let's get to the best part of the podcast. So that came up. So today my news app sent me a, some news story about Kirk Douglas and Michael Douglas and um particularly that Kirk Douglas didn't leave any money to Michael Douglas. And Joel, Joel and I were joking about the fact that Michael Douglas has literally five times amount, amount of money that Kirk Douglas has and how it was such a non-news story. And Joel made the comment of Kirk Douglas being, he called him Weinsteiny. He was like, he's kind of a gross guy. He's he's No, I said there were some things in the news about him having some bad behavior. So just having the conversation, like, you know, kind of bummed me out and, th- and thinking about it. And, and I'm sitting right next to Dane and I turned to Dane and I was like, you know, you're not allowed to touch people without asking them. And he literally went like, oh, <laughs> like he just gets this look on his face. And then I realized like, well, that doesn't 
square with his experience at all, right? And it was like not the right way of putting it um, because he hugs me and touches me without asking all the time. And he hugs his friends and... Um, Kids also get manhandled a lot, Jeff. Yeah. When you need them to go Manhandles somewhere. Manhandled is maybe a rough word, but yes. You know, you need them to move. You need them to do this. You grab them by their shoulder or their arm and you just kind of, like not in a violent way, but just in a like, I mean, yeah. they get pushed and touched and lifted and carried. And so it's very hard to transition from this um, place where kids need touch and it's a form of love. And I would like to keep that with my kid, um, but to also teach them proper boundaries in the way that they touch and and interact with other kids and other people. Like even today we were at lunch um, we were at lunch with some really close friends and the way they were playing, it's like it wasn't very clear whether she was comfortable and she kept assuring us that she was, but like I wasn't comfortable with the way he was kind of like, it was like poking. I just, this is just a very hard thing to navigate. And it's not just hard to navigate because it's important. It's hard to navigate because there are things that I want to hold on to that have to do with touch. And there's, it's clear that touch has a lot of restorative power and that touch is a source of love. And then now um, it's, all, it's equally important to not hurt anyone with touch. And we ended up talking about how when somebody says they don't want to be touched and you touch them anyway, even if it's a gentle touch, it's like hitting because it's unwanted. But I will say it, it felt developmentally too early to have the conversation but at the same time it comes up again and again that I don't feel comfortable with the way he's crossing other kids boundaries with touch and um it's a very hard thing to to teach your kid you want to pray us out yeah god be with us be with your church help your church grow and live and be together in communion with each other and fellowship with each other. Help us be a presence in this world that is positive and brings all those wonderful things that you give us to others. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks for listening. Please take a second to rate and subscribe to this podcast. It helps others to find us and to be hashtag blessed by the discussions that we have here. If you want to contact us, you can reach us on Instagram at Christ in the Chaos, or you can email us at Christ in the Chaos Pod at gmail.com. Until next week, we hope you have a peaceful week, but even if you don't, remember that you can find us and Jesus waiting for you in the chaos.